Welcome to Belfast City Vineyard, where we are pursuing formation in the presence of Jesus, community gathered around Him, and the impact He empowers us to bring in our families, city, and the world. The following message was given at one of our Sunday services. For more information, visit our website at BelfastCityVineyard.com. Hello, my name is Aidan McCartney and my wife Joy and I have been part of the BCB family for 14 years now. Um, I work for Storehouse, uh, that's the compassion charity birthed in BCB, and I'm taking up the baton in the Mark Sermon Relay today. I think it's been so good to go through Mark's Gospel account line by line and see how Mark has been leading us on a journey of discovery, forcing us to ask ourselves the question, who is Jesus? Today's passage shows us two encounters Jesus has that reveal more of who he is and what his mission is. So let's pray and then we'll read our passage together. So come Holy Spirit, Lord dwell with us, teach us, show us what you have for us to learn from this passage today. Help us to find out more about who Jesus is who he was in the lives of the people in this passage, and who he is to us right now, today. In your mighty name. Amen. So reading Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43, it says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion and people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. 
he took her by the hand and said to her, Talita koum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to tell to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. So we're, we're pretty used to Mark's stories being succinct, and sometimes even abrupt. Uh, and you could find yourself looking at accounts in the other Gospels to try and fill in the gaps. But not so here. Matthew and Luke also recount these two stories. Luke devoting 17 verses to it in his Gospel and Matthew just 9 verses to Mark's 23 verses. So I think Mark really has some things for us to notice about the stories of these two daughters. The passage is also another Mark and Sandwich, where Mark sandwiches the story of the woman suffering from bleeding in the middle of the two parts of the story of Jairus and his daughter. Mark uses this to heighten the drama, so the two stories spark off each other to call us to consider our own faith in Jesus. Mark is trying to take us to the scene and ask us what our reaction would be to these events as they unfold. That's what we're invited to do today as we look at this passage. Can you identify with the people in the story? What were they thinking? What were their choices and actions? And what would you have done? Let's look at Jairus first. He was a synagogue leader or synagogue president, a man in a respected position, but a man in a desperate position. His 12-year-old daughter is dying The word used here could be translated at death's door. He was out of options. He comes to Jesus and throws himself at his feet and pleads, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And Mark, back to his concise ways, says, so Jesus went with him. Jesus appears to be on a mission, but his progress is interrupted by a woman forcing her way through the crowd to touch the cloak of Jesus. The woman is at the other end of the spectrum from Jairus. She's been subject to bleeding for 12 years and is therefore ceremonially ceremonially unclean. She should not have been out of her house, never mind rubbing shoulders with a crowd, never mind touching the cloak of a rabbi. All the people she touched would have been deemed unclean as well and in need of cleansing. She was poor, As Mark tells us, she had spent all her money on cures that only made her worse. She would have been a social outcast because of her uncleanness. It doesn't tell us whether she was married or had family, but she could well have been estranged from husband and family. She was lonely. Two daughters who were desperate for healing. Two people who were desperate to get to Jesus, who thought the touch of Jesus just might be their last and only hope. Jairus asked Jesus to come and lay on his hands. The woman stretches out her hand to touch Jesus. But both get more than they came for. The woman touches Jesus' cloak and she feels in her body that she is freed from her suffering. That was all she came for and hoped for. But Jesus doesn't leave it at that. He knows that power has gone out from him and he wants to talk to talk to the recipient of that power. He asks, who touched me? Can you imagine how the woman is feeling in that moment? What is she expecting Jesus to do? 
she has been healed, but maybe she is in for at best a ticking off or at worst further public humiliation. If I know anything about Jesus, I'm saying he knows exactly who the person who touched his cloak is. Perhaps there's an echo back to God coming to meet Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden after they had eaten the forbidden fruit. God calls to Adam, where are you? He knows where he is, but he wants Adam to tell him. Jesus wants the woman to acknowledge what has happened to her. This could be a way of the community understanding that she has been healed so they don't shun her anymore. But more importantly, we see Jesus looks at her and treats her with tenderness and compassion, calling her daughter, revealing to her that it was her faith that has healed her. She came for a cure for her physical condition, but left having met and been transformed by Jesus inside and out. Back to Jairus. And some people arrive from his house to tell him, to tell him his daughter has died. Why bother the teacher anymore, they say. Jesus overhears them, or in some translations it actually says ignores them, overlooks them. Having heard that the woman's faith has made healing possible, Jesus then invites Jairus to have faith. Could Jesus calling out the woman in the crowd to speak of her encounter with the power of Jesus have also been designed to increase Jairus's faith? It seems Jesus was using a person from the margins as an example to Jairus, who was a person of importance. What do you think Jairus was thinking as he watches Jesus' interaction with the woman? It doesn't tell us in the passage, but I'm guessing Jairus is pretty impatient. He's already told Jesus the urgency of the problem, and now it seems he's been proved correct. Hope of his daughter being healed appears to be completely lost in that moment. But Jesus doesn't address those that brought the terrible news. He doesn't contradict them saying she's not really dead or don't worry, I'm going to bring her back to life. He looks past them and straight at Jairus and says, don't be afraid, just believe. And it, and it seems Jairus does believe. Is it because he's seen how the woman believed and was healed? Is it because he'd seen something in the eyes of Jesus as he asked him to believe that filled him with confidence? Is it because he still held out that Jesus was his last and only hope despite the change in circumstances? Or maybe it's a bit of all three. So they ditched the crowd and headed to Jairus' house. It doesn't tell us how they ditched the crowd and maybe the crowd had a lot less faith than Jairus did. They had all been keen to go with Jesus and witness a healing miracle. But perhaps they listened to the officials from Jairus' house more than accepting Jesus' invitation to just believe. So they arrive at the house to a commotion. The professional mourners have shown up. They've seen plenty of dead bodies in their time. And when Jesus suggests that this girl isn't dead, but just sleeping, they laugh at him. Jesus sends them all out and goes to the girl and says to her, Talita koum. Mark leaves the original Aramaic in there. It means, little girl, I say to you, get up. 
It is what you would say to your daughter to wake her up in the morning. And I can imagine Peter recounting this story to Mark and others and using the Aramaic phrase to show that Jesus raised this girl from the dead by using the simple words a parent might use with their daughter. Jesus wasn't using a magic spell or magic words. He was the son of God. He is the son of God. He has authority even over death itself. He didn't need to dress it up. He just used ordinary everyday language. But the outcome is extraordinary. So what is Jairus thinking now? It says they are completely astonished. Jairus had been asked by Jesus to believe. He has in effect been asked to have the same faith the woman had. And he went with it. So he gets more than he came for. He came completely desperate for any chance to heal his daughter and left having met someone who carried resurrection power. Over the last three weeks, Mark has shown us that Jesus has authority over nature with calming a storm. He has authority over demons by driving out a legion of them. This week, He shows his authority over sickness and even death, pointing us towards his own resurrection. Mark is showing us that the kingdom of God has come and Jesus is the king. What does Mark want us to see here? There's three things I sense we we can learn today. Firstly, do you have a posture of faith? So Jesus spoke about faith to the woman and Jairus. The woman's faith had allowed her to stretch out to Jesus and experience his healing. Jairus needed to have faith to keep believing in Jesus, even when hope seemed to have been lost. Both put their faith in Jesus. What are you putting your faith in? Who are you putting your faith in? How are you adopting a posture of faith in your life? I'm part of the beautiful community of BCB Friday Church that meets in the storehouse building on North Street. And we had to go online during the first COVID lockdown. And when we came back in person, we had that strange phase of wearing masks and space chairs and you can't wait around at the end. And we realized we needed some small groups or pods so people could connect with each other and pray for each other instead of the Friday church service, outside of the Friday church service. My pod started meeting in person, but with the second lockdown, we had to go online again. And something amazing happened during those three or four months. We met faithfully each week on Zoom and simply took it in turns to say, how's your week been and what do you need prayer for? And I don't know whether it was part of the awkward medium of Zoom where you can't really have small talk and whisper to the person next to you or whether it was just a tough time and we needed prayer. But from week one, the prayer requests were pretty bold. But from week two, we were reporting back about prayers being answered. When you see the faith of others and hear about prayers being answered, it changes your posture. You have more faith and your bold prayer requests are met with even bolder prayers. We saw healing, physical and mental. We saw freedom break in. 
We saw broken relationships restored. We saw situations transformed. Our faith increased as we brought each other other to the feet of Jesus and cried out for one another. My pod of six or so people adopted a posture of faith in Jesus to meet our needs. And as Jesus met those needs, so our faith in what Jesus could do in our lives increased. The second thing I notice uh, that we can learn is, are you interruptible? And another thing that Jesus has been teaching me over the last few years is when you're following Jesus and seeing his kingdom come, you just might need to be interruptible. Jesus shows us the value he places on that in this passage. He was on a mission. He went with Jairus, but he was not afraid to be interrupted by the woman. This is something I need to go deeper in. I love to have a plan, a schedule, a to-do list. But so often my plans, my schedules, my to-do lists are just that. They're mine, not Jesus. I'll let Jesus in to make a couple of suggestions, but not tear up the list completely. I'm a work in progress on this one, but I was shown this in my own life again just last week. I got some time out to write this very sermon. I had a clear schedule of several hours and a quiet place to hang out and read and pray and write. Perfect. Then I got a call from a friend. He wasn't a very close friend, but I hadn't seen him in several months. And he just asked if he could come and see me that afternoon. He didn't say why. And everything in me was saying, just tell him you're busy and arrange something for tomorrow. But for some reason, I had a sense in me that I should see him. There's something important in this. He was with me less than an hour later and began to tell me about his mum who had fallen ill and needed urgent surgery. She was in another country, somewhere where finding a surgeon wasn't straightforward and where surgery carries a price tag that is out of his reach. I was able to say to him, here's what I'm reading from the Bible at the minute. Don't be afraid, just believe. I said we needed to pray and he quickly agreed. And just as we finished praying, his father called to say they had found a surgeon and she was being prepared for surgery, which turned out to be successful. After my friend left, I contemplated how many times I had ignored a phone call or not taken the time with someone. And I wasn't thinking of this to feel guilty about how about it, but I was considering how I had missed opportunities to grow my own faith and to see the Holy Spirit at work. Jesus had so much grace for me in that moment, and I will no doubt need more of his grace in such moments again. But Jesus demonstrates the fruit that can come from the interruption We need to stay connected to him in our day-to-day so we we can be ready for him to bring an interruption our way. And thirdly, Jesus has more for you. In our two interwoven stories today, Jairus and the woman both wanted Jesus' healing touch because they were desperate, because they had no other options left. But Jesus didn't want them to experience healing and leave it at that. He wanted an encounter. He wanted them to know who he really is. He is the one who can put right 12 years of wrong with the simple words, daughter, go in peace.
He is the one with power even over death itself. He invites the woman and Jairus not just to have faith in his healing powers, but to have faith in a lifelong, life-giving, life-saving relationship with him. And that is as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. What would have happened if Jairus had fallen at Jesus' feet and said, My daughter is dying. And Jesus said, Go home and you'll find her well again. What would have happened if the woman had touched Jesus' cloak, been healed and slipped off home and got on with her life? Jesus could have done those things, but he chose not to. Well, we don't know, and I wonder what would have happened the next time, but I wonder what would have happened the next time either of them had a problem in their lives, which they inevitably would have. Would they have gone back to Jesus with faith to ask for another miracle? Would Jesus just become someone they come to when they've got a problem and ignore him the rest of the time? Jesus wants your heart and all of your heart. He wants to change you and transform you. And that starts with faith in who he is. Jairus and the woman had a desperate last-ditch faith in Jesus, but came away with a life-transforming relationship with Jesus. Tim Keller talks about uh, what Jesus asked of Jairus and the woman, and he says this, She had a somewhat superstitious understanding of Jesus' power. She thought it was the touch that could heal her, She thought his power was manageable. And Jesus made her identify herself so he could say, Oh no, it was faith that healed you. And he says, Jairus came thinking he would have to trust Jesus just enough to get home, hoping that somehow the child wouldn't die before he arrived. But Jesus demanded far more from him. Jesus looked right into his eyes and said, Trust me. Now, that was a test of faith far beyond anything Jairus had anticipated. In the vineyard, we believe that Jesus heals people today. We believe that he sets people free from the demonic today. We believe he can miraculously provide for people at their point of need today. But it's not so we have nice stories or we can feel good about ourselves It's so that the kingdom of God can break in. The kingdom of God is where Jesus is king, where he encounters us. Maybe you're desperate for healing. Maybe you're desperate for a financial miracle. Maybe you're desperate for a change in your circumstances. When you pray for these things, Jesus will show up, but he might give you more than you imagined when you started praying. Mark has been forcing us to ask the question of who Jesus is the whole way through. He shows us that Jesus has power over sickness and death. But more importantly, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Saviour, and he wants to meet with you today. So if you don't know Jesus, we want to introduce you to him. If you're discovering more about Jesus and who he is in your life, then we would love to pray for you. We've seen Jesus' healing power at work in this passage today, 
If you need healing, whether that's physical or mental, we want to pray for you. If you want prayer for any of those things or anything else, please go to our weekly service page on our website to request prayer. We would love to hear from you. So I just want to pray for us uh, as we close today. So Jesus, I just thank you that you are the Saviour. You are the Messiah. And I just thank you that this passage demonstrates that you come to each one of us and you long for an encounter with each one of us. That you long to meet with us in our point of need and you long for us to meet with you. Thank you that you had more than either of these people in the passage bargained for and you have more today for us than we bargained for. And all we have to do is come to you So I just pray that as we come to you today, we would hear your voice, we would know your love, and we would know your power. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For all the latest information about what's happening in the life of our church, or if you have any questions or comments, head over to BelfastCityVineyard.com.